Hey guys, welcome back to Mountain Murders. I'm Heather. And I'm Dylan. What's up? What's going on? Man, it feels really nice outside. Fall is in the air. Oh, Brisk. it's so perfect. Slight chill. Got to find your light jackets. Got to make sure you got that hoodie ready for the mornings. It's like McDonald's. I'm loving it. Yes. It's <laughs> been really a long am. summer coming. Well, we still have mosquitoes here, which is driving me crazy. Yeah. I can't stand it. We can't even talk about the mosquitoes here because they're ridiculous. Yeah. How yeah. many have we killed today? Oh I don't gosh. know. It's October. It's like they if they sneak in the house with you, they keep attacking until you kill them. I don't understand why it's October and we still have mosquitoes. But anyway, fall in the mountains, not quite as colorful as I had expected. No. I Seems thought, like we're having a late color season, perhaps. I'm not, I'm not sure, but... I think we're going to have a quick late change. You think so? Yeah. Maybe that's what happens with all the water. Well, are you ready to get into another exciting case? We released the Zoo Man episode. That, that was, was very crazy. interesting. Yeah. And then we had the Crystal Howl story, which was probably our most downloaded story ever. Yeah, can I just say locally here locally that story exploded? So thanks for supporting the podcast and Thanks. And it also reminded us we had a conversation about when you do cover cases and you know people are hearing it that were actually involved in the cases. It means a lot. And you know, sometimes we kid around and we carry on, but we do respect the fact that there's victims, families, and everybody you know, left over from these cases. Yeah, we did get quite a lot of feedback from we did. some people who were involved, who knew Crystal Howell, knew the family. Some the emergency services yeah. people. So it was so fairly uh, interesting case. It was, <laughs> and it blew the top off on our downloads. So thanks for that, guys. Are you ready to get started with this new case? I am. I hope I'm they download this one. i about this story. I think it's fascinating. Yes, what little I've heard about it is very interesting. One of the most notorious serial killers in West Virginia history wasn't even from West Virginia, nor was he born in America. But he made national headlines in the 1930s. Okay, it was one of them damn transplants, did some crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Powers had a great number of aliases. Cornelius O. Pearson, John Schroeder, and A.R. Weaver. Now, I'm not even sure what his real name is, though reportedly it was Herman Dreth. Well, if that's true, I don't blame him for changing his name. He was born November 17, 1893 in the Netherlands. In the early 1920s, he immigrated to the United States, settling with his family first in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, then eventually moving to Quiet Dells, West Virginia in 1926, where he took work as a vacuum cleaner salesman. Oh, I bet he got rich doing that. Well, it's just such an like odd or like foreign thought of these door-to-door -door salesmen. That was like such a big deal back then. Yeah, and those That's guys actually made goods and products. Made was, some pretty good money doing that. The ones that were good at it, you know, getting a straight-up commission off. Of, yeah, some of those guys made lots of money doing that. Nowadays, I can't imagine someone knocking on my door trying to sell me something. Well, I couldn't imagine knocking on people's doors nowadays. Yeah, no shit. The weird <laughs> shit you would see. Yeah. I do remember my grandmother buying a vacuum cleaner from a door-to-door -door salesman in the 80s when I was a kid. Oh, yeah? It was a rainbow vacuum. You remember those? I remember the rainbows. Those were awesome. Very expensive vacuums. One of the things I remember about the, ra the rainbow vacuum was that it had, like, this area where you 
would pour water. Yeah, it was how it filtered through that somehow. Almost like a carpet cleaner, shampooer kind of thing. You could buy these different fragrances to add to the water. Because I remember my grandmother like had lavender and all these, you know. So every time she vacuumed, you had this nice scent through the house? It smelled like the carpet was dried in the sunshine. Well, I want one of those. I know. And those things last forever. I mean, I think she paid like quite a bit of money for this vacuum. Oh, yeah. But she probably had that thing 30 years. Well, that's part of their... I was actually a Kirby vacuum salesman for a very brief time. Did Are you, know, you kidding? Did you know that? No. Okay, yeah. That's one of the uh, selling points is its longevity. You'd be like, yeah, you can get a cheaper vacuum now, but you're going to buy a cheaper one over, you know, so many years. You're going to end up spending similar money. You might as well have a high quality crafted out of aircraft in, you know, grade metal Are vacuum. you leading a double life? No, this was a lot. I wasn't very good and I didn't sell one. So it lasted for about two weeks. I feel like I don't even know you right now. But I know all about the Kirby's. Who are you? Yeah, and it's what hard. What did you do with my husband? It turns out it's hard to get someone to give you twelve or fifteen hundred dollars for a fucking vacuum cleaner. No. Yeah, <laughs> you just gotta show them the tricks why it's better. And I sucked. So Powers was working as a vacuum cleaner salesman. I guess making his living. You know, doing okay. Traveling all around. He was described as a ladies' man. By 1927, he had met and married a woman named Luella Struther. Now, she owned a farm and a grocery store, so had a little bit of money. Okay. Yeah. The pair met through a Lonely Hearts ad, which before Tinder, Match.com, eHarmony, it was the way to find a potential mate. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's um, could you imagine looking through the back of a newspaper for a date? <laughs> Well, I guess that's no different than scrolling down a dating profile, right? It was an advertisement, for those of you who do not know what we're talking about, it was an advertisement taken out in a newspaper, often seeking marriage or some other type of relationship. Yeah. So, yeah, you would write up an ad, kind of like your profile. Most of them didn't have a picture. No, it's just words. And different people would read through your ad and decide whether they thought you were interesting or not, and then they would write you a letter. And mail it to you. Okay. <laughs> so this could take quite a while to have a courtship going, right? Well, could you imagine, though? It must be exciting when you finally met that person. Probably. I wonder if you could be like, if you could request a dick pic through the mail, through a regular letter. I know. There probably was someone out there doing that. Okay. I have a feeling if there was a camera and a man with a penis, <laughs> then he was sending dick pics. was going to get a dick pic. In the snail mail. Yeah. <laughs> She's been waiting on six weeks for his letter to get here. You want me to ask my grandma? Yeah. Next time we talk to her? Okay. Okay. Powers was about five foot four. He weighed 175 pounds, balding, and wore thick glasses. Now, I've looked at pictures of this fella, and I'm going to go ahead and float this out there. He's no Brad Pitt. But you said he was known as a ladies' he man. He was a ladies' man. So he might be a swooner. But not because he was dashing and debonair. Right. But we will post some photos on Facebook, Instagram, so you can check him out. See for yourself what you think about him. Yeah, I need to check him out. He ran his wife's grocery store in Broad Oaks, which is a community in Clarksburg, West Virginia. And though Luella thought the couple was settling into marital bliss, Harry had other plans. And he continued placing those lonely heart ads in various newspapers and became a member of the American Friendship Society, 
which specialized in matching well-to-do singles. He was using the name Cornelius O. Pearson. See, I love that alias. The Cornelius is a great name. Yeah, I, I want to be Cornelius. Okay, we can start calling you Cornelius Corn- Packer. Corny Packer. Corn Packer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a, I think I'm going to have to pick another one. So Cornelius Pearson, this semi-fake persona, was a civil engineer who was looking for a wife. For an annual fee of $4.95 for men, $1.95 for women, members got a listing of available matches, mostly widows and widowers, with a description of their most attractive features. Now, whether that was real or not. I mean, you get catfished online these days, but at least with social media, if you have someone's name, you can kind of stalk them a little bit. Yeah. Might find out some information, maybe find a photo. There's no way to look into what they're saying now. But back, back in these then. days, yeah. Right. I mean, if you're living in West Virginia and you're writing to women all over the country, you could tell them anything. They would have no idea. They just got, and they could tell you anything. Right? You just got to take them for what they say uh, as truth in their letters. I guess dating has always been complicated. Yeah, and I'm sure there was people catfishing back then, too. Where Cornelius Pearson's ad read, Wealthy widower, worth $150,000, has income from four hundred to 2000 a month. And, of course, he had his profession listed as a civil engineer. So he's well-to-do, according to him. He owns a beautiful 10-room brick home, completely furnished with everything that would make a good woman happy. My wife would have her own car and plenty of spending money, would have nothing to do but enjoy herself. I want to go stay with him, if that's true. That sounds like fun. You would be his housewife? Yeah, well, yeah. Driving around in your new car with plenty of spending money? A pocket full of money and new car, all you got to do is, you know, well, not all, it's a hard job, but it sounds to me like she's not even having to do all the work herself. She's just going to hang out and drink craft beer, six packs of craft beer, and, <laughs> and tr- I'm just thinking about if you were his housewife. Try dresses on? With all the plenty of spending money. Yeah. <laughs> well, according to the Postal Service... He was receiving between 10 to 20 letters a day from women all over the country. So that is a lot, I'm going to guess. Well, imagine if you're on a dating app and you're getting somewhere between 10 to 20 messages a day. Yeah, that would be a lot. Interested persons. That would be a lot today. That would be a lot. If I was on Tinder and like 20 20 girls in one day were like, hey, we should talk or whatever. Yeah, that would be a lot. You would feel... Pretty sexy, huh? Yeah, I'd say that dopamine would be popping in your brain. (laughs) (laughs) During this time, Powers started constructing some crudely, like, made structures on his property. Now, remember, he lives on his wife's farm. He started building what some might call a garage, but it was almost like a two-level garage-slash-basement type of structure, almost like a bunker. Okay. Because part of it was kind of underground. And it was crude. Yeah, it was very crudely built with, like, cement, but just not what, you know. Not, not like all the right equipment would, and right. know-how. So he's building this weird structure, and eventually he meets a woman through the Lonely Hearts ads. Her name is Asta Iker, and she's a widowed mother of three who lives in Park Ridge, Illinois. On June 23rd, 1931... He traveled to go meet the woman and her kids, Greta, Harry, and Annabelle, telling his wife, Luella, that he had a business trip. 
Isn't that lying dog? Do you think when men go on business trips for women, this is what they're doing? Well, I think the they're people, going to meet new families. Well, I think. That, <laughs> well, I do think the people that travel for their job, be it the man or the woman, have that built. You know, if it if it ever comes to that, they have that excuse built in. It, 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 it always has to be that type of person that has like two families, two full fledged families, where they go away for weeks and see the one and go. They have to be the traveling what such and such for business people, right? Oh yeah, I actually know a guy whose father was leading a double life. That's crazy. He had like the one family yeah. in North Carolina and then a second family like in another city in North Carolina. Like just a family where he's had children with a woman and everything like that? Oh, yeah. Kept up two households. Yeah. Two women. Was uh, always working on some business trip kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. That seems like and a lot. And eventually it came out. Yeah. How, how weird would that be? That's very strange. Here Harry is telling his wife Luella, I got a business trip, and all the while he's traveling to meet this widow, uh, widowed woman and her kids. Now, when he arrives, Iker was disappointed with the physical appearance of her beau. But his sensitivity, his romantic nature, and the promising income of $400 a month, plus all of the claims of royalties from gas and oil investments... Big, nice house. As he boasted about. It was all enough to convince her that he was a good prospect for securing a life for her, you know, and her family. Yeah, that's quite a bit of money back in the 20s, right? This would have been 1931. Oh, yeah. So just entering into the Great Depression, we're at the kind of the beginning stages of that. Well, he had even shown up to her home with a bouquet of flowers. So he's really going out of his way to woo this woman. Iker told everyone he was an old friend of the family as she's introducing him around town to people. I guess there was some stigma or kind of taboo about meeting people through these on, you know, these classified ads. Ad, yeah, I'm sure. These, um, what was it, friendship society ads? Yeah. I mean, and I guess today there's still a little bit of that with the online dating. Maybe there it's a is. little more accepted than it was, but I still think some people get a little maybe embarrassed about admitting that's where they met someone. Well, yeah, maybe it depends on the dating site they met on. Yeah. <laughs> Fat life. The widow had another friend named Elizabeth Abernathy, who happened to be a nurse, care for the children while she took off with Cornelius Pearson, a.k.a. Powers, for a few days, because remember, he's using his alias, under the guise that they were going to West Virginia to pick out a home for the new family. Powers knew the widow had received a large sum of money from the death of her husband. A few days later, Abernathy received a letter saying that Pearson was returning back to this town in Illinois. He's going to pick up the children, and once he gets the children, they're all going to go off together, be a big family. Okay. So once he gets into town and he picks the children up, he sent one of the kids to the bank to withdraw some money from Iker's account. However, the bank said the check was forged, and therefore they would not cash the check, which was in the amount of $4,000. Empty-handed, the child returns. A disappointed Pearson told suspicious neighbors, who were wondering, you know, where the new wife was, that he was taking the wife and kids on a trip. They were going to go to Europe. They were going to be spending several months there. They were going to be gone for an extended period. They were, they were going to be going away. The Iker family basically goes missing from Illinois and never writes back 
to friends and family that they leave behind. Who the hell sends a kid to the bank to get four grand? Apparently, old Cornelius. Well, a few weeks after Pearson picked up the kids, he shows back up at the family home with movers. He clears out the home's possessions like furniture, anything in there that might be worth some money. While he's there, a police officer even came by to question Pearson. But he said his family was visiting Colorado, that he had purchased this house from Iker, and that he claimed he was planning to move into the house, that he's getting out all of this furniture that belonged to the family. He doesn't want it, and he's moving in. He's going to bring his own furniture. He's going to become a resident of Park Ridge. Okay, so, so he spins this big story to the cops about he's actually going to be moving into this house. Relatives grow concerned. They haven't heard from Iker, the children. I mean, it's been some time. And she goes off with this stranger. The kids leave. I mean, well, he's I clearing out her house. From their point of view, he's the fa- old family friend and a guy they really just don't know at all, right? Yeah, and they're just worried because they know by now they would have gotten a letter, a postcard, something. Yeah. So they go to the police with the story of this charming new man from West Virginia who left with the four. And though Powers was not conventionally attractive, his letters and correspondence proved to be very romantic. So he's got the personality. He knew how to write letters, to woo these women, to say the types of things that they would want to hear. Girl, you look so good in that potato sack dress. (laughs) (laughs) A period after the Iker family fiasco... Harry Powers began a long-distance relationship with a woman named Dorothy Pressler Limke. She was from Massachusetts. He's writing her letters. They've got this grand romantic correspondence happening. So after a period of courtship, he goes to Massachusetts to visit her, to meet up with her. Of course, again, telling his wife he's away on business. God, this guy. While in Massachusetts... He asks her to come to Iowa, where they would marry. She withdrew $5,000 from her bank account and then cashed out $8,000 in stocks. How these people got so much money back then? She told friends and family she was moving to her new man's large farm in Iowa, where they were going to get married, and she would live there. But instead of sending her trunks to Iowa, Powers mailed them to Cornelius O. Pearson in Fairmont, West Virginia. And Dorothy Lemke, much like the Iker family, disappeared without a trace. Never to be heard from again. The hell is he doing with these women and kids? (laughs) That's a good question, Dylan. By now, authorities have began looking into the disappearance of the Iker family. So they've not been all this time. Nobody's heard a word from them. Kids didn't turn up anywhere. Just gone. A search of the family's home revealed a collection of letters exchanged between Asta Eicher and Cornelius O. Pearson, which were postmarked from a Clarksburg, West Virginia address. Authorities figure out the letters are being sent to an identical address owned by a Harry Powers. And they talk to the postmaster, who confirms he knows Harry Powers has rented this post office box, but is receiving Large amounts of mail addressed to Cornelius O. Pearson. Ah, he's dialed him out. Concluding the name Cornelius O. Pearson must be a fake identity, but with no 
other real evidence, the authorities bring in Harry Powers for questioning. Now, during this interview, he had no real excuse to offer the police about the letters, the correspondence, the fake identity. Well, yeah, I just don't even know what you would say. How you right. explain away? Well, he said Iker's whereabouts were unknown to him as he had put her and the children on a train to Colorado where she had decided to marry a different man, a guy named Charles Rogers. You think he's real? We're about to find out. Okay. Fasten your seatbelt over there. <laughs> Arms and legs inside the ride at all times. While on his property, they searched the home and that crude basement type of structure that's kind of like a bunker. That's kind of creepy as hell. Where they find what they are sure has been a crime scene. The concrete building had rooms divided into small cells, each with a locking door. They also found a trap door, which led to a dark, narrow tunnel, which went all the way out to a nearby creek. Oh, God. Now, in the structure, they find a stash of bloody clothes, including women's clothing and children's items. That's never a good sign. A bloody footprint and a partially burned bank book. They also find another area of the property, kind of like outside the tunnel area near that creek. Yeah. Where there is a large mound of dirt appearing to be freshly dug. Oh, no. Authorities began digging in the daylight on Power's property. Neighbors and other curiosity seekers stop by the property to see what's happening. Yeah, well, this is a big deal. Well, there's not a lot going on around there. This, you know what I mean? Just from every day. It's, even nowadays, if you see 10 cop cars at your neighbor's house, you're going to try to edge around there and see what's going on. Well, they join in the search. With dozens of people on the farm aiding in the search, five bodies are uncovered on Power's property. Stuffed into burlap sacks, the bodies of two adult females are found with rope around their necks, both seemingly dying of strangulation. The two young girl children belonging to Iker were strangled by hand, and the boy had been bludgeoned with a hammer. My God. A bundle of love letters and correspondence were found in the trunk of Power's car, detailing his relationships with many women, most of whom were widowed or had some sum of money or property, which he clearly wanted to retain for himself. What a monster. News of the murders spread fast across West Virginia, quickly gaining national attention with the Lonely Hearts Killer headline. Some people nicknamed Powers the Bluebeard Killer of Quiet Dell. Bluebeard? I wonder why. I guess because he's older? Yeah. I'm not sure. Okay. He willingly confessed to the killings. He said he was neither proud nor ashamed of his actions. He recounted the details as though they were just another part of his mundane day, such as brushing his teeth or drinking a, a cup of coffee. Psychiatrists were brought in to examine his odd behavior. A criminalist and a lawyer wrote that there was nothing about his demeanor to evoke any suspicion that Powers was a brutal murderer. So he's just... They also noted his just lack of any kind of feeling about the murders. was what? very casual in discussing it. So some of the psychiatrists said they, you know, they believed he was a psychopath. Well, yeah, I think he definitely must have been, right? To be able to do that and just carry on your his wife none the wiser, I guess, you know? 
bringing people back to their property and disposing of them, kids even. Writing all these love letters to all of these all different, these different women. women. That's going to be time consuming. Yeah. And yeah. how do you sneak around and hide love letter writing? I don't know. He must have never been around his regular wife. The trial was a spectacle. As many crimes became a form of entertainment during the Great Depression, this one drew a huge crowd. With many spectators hoping to view the trial, they had to set up a mock courtroom at a local opera house to accommodate the overflow. Wow. Angry citizens formed a lynch mob and threatened to murder the child killer powers. People were very upset. Well, that's pretty brutal. Law enforcement had to use a high-pressure hose that they borrowed from the fire department to spray the angry crowd of attackers that had formed outside the jail wanting to kill him. Damn. High-pressure hose will knock your ass all over the place. The trial took less than a week with the jury finding Powers guilty. He was sentenced to die at the Moundsville State Penitentiary in West Virginia. On March 18, 1932, Powers was hanged for his crimes. Ah, they didn't waste any time, did they? His wife, Luella, claimed to have no knowledge of Powers' activities or the crimes. She was not charged in any of the murders. Do you believe her? It's hard to say. I mean, I just feel like if your husband obviously is spending that much time away from you, tending to these other deeds and traveling for business. Yeah. Well, maybe... Especially when he's working in your grocery store. Like, what kind of business is he traveling on? You know, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. It's I keep just, forgetting he's not even a traveling salesman it's anymore. It's kind of odd. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, what the hell business trip are you taking? But then again, you have a killer like BT, BTK. Right. And Dennis Rader's wife swears she had no idea what was happening. Well, um, the Osman's family, right? Le- leading like a double life. Didn't have any idea. Well, he was obviously a super hitman for the mafia. But then again, maybe she did know because she was also benefiting financially from well, there's her that. husband's deeds. So I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe she's just glad he was off somewhere doing something else. That is the question, Dylan. <laughs> and you may be right. Uh, now, if you're interested in checking out a movie loosely based on this story, I am. there is a classic film starring Robert Mitchum called Night of the Hunter, which is based on a book by Davis Grubbs. That was inspired by the Powers story. Wow. So you can check out that film and kind of see, you know, a bit of, I guess, the the plot in action. I want to see it. (laughs) Well, we can Can see it. Can I watch it, please? Please, can we watch it? We can find it. Okay. That has been the case of Harry Powers. Harry was a sadistic monster. Okay. Whatever. The Lonely Hearts Killer. There have been quite a few of those over the years. Well, yeah. I mean, you hear about modern dating that goes awry. Well, yeah. Meeting people online and then they murder you. But I think there was one not long ago this on a, one of those. This is nothing new. They met, I think it was two people met this one person and killed them. Like wow. Set them up using one of those Twitter, or not Twitter, but Tinder or something like that. Yeah, wasn't that long ago. So, well, yeah, anytime you open yourself out up to perfect strangers in any form or fashion, it can turn out very horribly. But, I mean, this guy going around the country and basically collecting women and children, he didn't, it didn't, he had a choice. He's talking to all these different women, right? He could have just as easily said, I'm only going to pick a widower or someone who has no kids. But he didn't even give a damn. 
If he reeled them on in, they happened to have some kids. He didn't care. He's like, fuck them kids. I'll get rid of them too. Yeah. Now, could you imagine what those kids, that they're on this trip with this freaking guy they barely know and how far along it went before they realized this is, hey, this is not good. That would be very horrible. Horrible. It could have been extended over days. I mean, that's just horrible to even think of. And see, I was the kind of sassy little kid, and I don't know about you, but even if my mama, because my mother wasn't like that by any stretch, but let's just say my mama brought some weird guy over and was like, kissy stepdaddy, or something like that, and then like left with this man, and then he came back for me. Oh, no. Even as a little kid, I would have been like, hell no. Yeah. I would have pitched one hell of a fit. I'm not going to go with you. I don't know you. Yeah, I started letting the neighbors know. I just wouldn't have gone with this guy. Just imagine but it was the neighbors. A different time, and I guess yeah, you know we're brats too. Well, and it was very <laughs> heavily whatever the guy says goes kind of shit. You know, even when the cops show up and ask questions, or if a, a you know a friendly neighbor comes and they tell them this is it, you know, they believe the guy. You know, unfortunately, back yeah, that's then, true. Yeah, but I thought that was a great case. It was something a little different from what we covered. I've never heard that past. anywhere. And not a widely known story. Harry Powers. But again, Lonely Hearts Killer. And it makes me think of Belle Gunness. You know, she was a pretty infamous serial killer as well. Who Very. met her victims through placing these personal advertisements. Oh, yeah. She would say, don't tell anyone where you're going. Liquidate your estate, basically. Bring it on your person. And I will show you the time of your life. Yes. And then she feeds them to the hogs. Right. Yeah. So both similar in that they are gold diggers looking to kill some people and take their money. And they have no problem lying to people. Just flat out. Doesn't bother them a bit and they don't feel a bit bad about it. It made me think of something. The Lonely Hearts ads. We need to tell our audience about this, Dylan. You've become obsessed with 90 Day Fiance. I have. I'm sure some of them watch as well. I'm a little late to the party because there's a lot of these. But yeah, it's my new TV show I don't admit to people I watch. Except I've been telling everybody that I'm watching it. Yeah, he came in one day and he's like, binge watch this and it's trash TV and I love it. I can't stop watching it. I will be in the bedroom hollering things, right? Yeah. Like I'm watching a football game. Yeah, yeah she doesn't. I'll, I'll hear Dylan screaming like, he don't love you at the TV. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I come in here and it's like 90 Day Fiance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she a damn lie. But you, so you're watching that and you're seeing these people who've met in these uh, non-conventional ways. Right. And it's typically, uh, you know, one, well, obviously it's always one person's from another country. And they have some type of correspondence. Yep. Then fast forward, they plan to meet, which is kind of like this. It is. These people have some period of correspondence, meet up, decide, hey, we're going to get married, but they don't know each other. They don't. And this can be disastrous. It can be. And they have nowadays more of a chance to see each other or interact than they did then. So they were really, really taking a chance by correspondence through mail. I know. Is it that important, I guess, to meet someone to be married? Like you couldn't meet someone in your own town? Well, uh, yeah, I know. subject yourself to this? Well, these people can't meet someone in their own country. And like the dudes always bring the woman back and as like they live with their parents a lot. Oh, you're talking about 90 Day Fiance. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Isn't that probably why you haven't met anybody? I can't say that I would be too interested in 
dating a man who lived with his parents. So if I was 41 and I lived with but my parents. there was some extenuating circumstance. A health crisis. Like, hey, my mom has cancer and I'm taking care right. of her. Or my dad has dementia. I have right. to live with him. That is more acceptable than or just, you never hey, moved I'm 40 out. and I've never moved out of my parents' house. Exactly. So when you come over... You have to tiptoe down the hallway. Take your shoes off in the mud room. Because we don't want my parents to hear you go to the bathroom. And I want you to don't want you to wake my mom. She's a light sleeper because of all the medication she's on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. If you know, that's the, that's the key. If you never moved out, then I mean, come on. We're judging you. <laughs> yeah, and you know, someone may hear us and tell us we're assholes. If I had, hey, if I'd had the opportunity. I probably would have stayed at home a lot longer, right? You'd still be living at home with your mom? Mm, no. I don't <laughs> think so. But, hey, like, I... Well, she does cut the crust off my sandwich. <laughs> I, have, I, I, have, I didn't have to worry about that after 15. Okay. So, I've been on my own for quite a while. Well, that was the story of Harry Powers. And, again, thank you for listening to Mountain Murders Podcast. We are growing. Our numbers are great. We're so excited. You've been telling your friends and family about us. And we definitely appreciate that. Of course, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Find us anywhere you get podcasts. Hit subscribe if you're feeling froggy. Give us a five-star review if you think we deserve it. Yeah. And you can always find us on Patreon. They can get more episodes if you can't get enough of us running our mouths. There's quite a few extra bonus episodes there on Patreon. For as little as $3, you can become a member and support the podcast directly. Cut out old corporate middleman and uh, help us keep going, guys, because we're starting to realize the more the the more popular it gets, the more work there actually is, which we're trying to keep up with. And we love all you guys. And thank you very much for your support. All right. Well, stick around here in the next couple of days. We'll probably drop another big case for you. Yep. 